All right, let's talk about some more movies that influenced my movie, Bear Kittens, uh, which can be watched on Amazon Prime for free right now. You should do that and you should leave a review. But now let's talk about The Neon Demon and Cannibal Holocaust. First, The Neon Demon. I, when I went and watched The Neon Demon in the theater back when it came out, I knew and loved mainly Drive. I also knew Pusher. I love Pusher. Uh, side note. Once, um, a few months ago, I bought some drugs. This account is entirely fictional, by the way. This is a comedy podcast. I am playing a role. So I bought some drugs. Uh, I have a very nice dealer. I'm quite friendly with him. He uh, studies a similar field I am working in. Um, and we always have a lot to talk about. So we were sitting, I, I, um, I was supposed to uh, take a bus to another city. I uh, bought something from him. Um, and then we sat down and talked for like an hour and it was just quite nice. We were talking about uh, photography, I think, photography and social media. Um, and then I get, got on the bus and um, these buses often get controlled by police. Like they get held up and everybody has to get out and they have a look if uh, the passengers have drugs with them uh, and uh, this time I did have uh, qu quite 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 a lot of drugs uh, with me um, and I, I I was kind of nervous uh, about this um, so I thought okay how, how to how to be less nervous let's let's watch movies about uh, drug dealing so I watched uh, the pusher trilogy mainly pusher 3 I love um, and these movies are awesome like they are so realistic but they are so far from the truth. Like the dealers I know are never even remotely similar to the thugs portrayed in um, in films like Pusher. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I always think one day I want to make a truly realistic movie about that. Like have... Have have a little uh, I don't know design or literature student uh, be a dealer in his <laughs> off time to pay his rent and uh, I don't know then shenanigans happen no, no, not a comedy though something bad needs to happen because I mean organized crime is bullshit and getting involved with it sure is quite uh, dangerous ain't it. Um, yeah, all drugs should be legalized anyway, so uh, there wouldn't be any organized crime around it. Those thugs would uh, would would uh, lose their income, basically all of it, and we would finally have safe drugs and could buy them more conveniently. Right now, in Corona shutdown. It's kind of, I, I, I don't know how to get drugs now. It's annoying. Whatever. Um, the Knee and Demon was uh, something else. It was interesting to uh, see it in, in, in the cinema. I think that's what it was um, made for. But I, 
I'd say it was an unpleasant experience. I think it was supposed to be an unpleasant experience. And it was. Uh, I didn't really know what to think of it after watching it for the first time. While uh, Nissan was angry. Like, uh, back in DOP, Christian Grunder, he actually recommended the film to us. He had watched it uh, once before and went back to the cinema with us to show it to us. And she was angry at him. Like, she was yelling at him afterwards. Um, I, I found the film fascinating. And so uh, we argued all of us, uh, quite passionately, actually. It, it, was a, it was a big argument that went on for a while. And then we thought, wouldn't that be interesting? A short film called um, The Giraffe Girl Gets Eaten. Um, and, 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 and just about a group of friends who go into like a fast food joint or something, uh, having just watched the neon demon and they passionately discuss it and that's the whole shot we thought um that uh, I, i mean i mean nicholas winning he's obviously a narcissist which i love um i am a narcissist too just a lot less successful and brilliant but uh we thought that that if we made a shot like that he would surely support it because it would be about his movie And he would like that. Have you, by the way, have you seen uh, the documentaries about Nicholas Winning Uh I don't know if there are two or three. There are two uh, that I can remember off the top of my head right now. There is uh, one, it's called My Life, directed by Nicholas Winning Refn. It's made by his wife. Um, and it's about how he was making uh, Only God Forgives after making Drive and about all his anxiety following up this important and uh, incredibly successful film that everybody loved and he was like well they will hate this one they will hate me um that's good actually uh that th th these both of the documentaries i know about him are like no holds barred is that is that a thing you say like uh It's they, they, they are so full on, and they are showing him in these situation as being uh, situations as, as, as being being pathetic at times, as being anxious. They, they you feel so um, uh, let in, treated so honestly, uh, while at the same time it has this voyeuristic thing, and it's kind of like this very lowbrow type of um, uh, television, you know, like like. Uh, documentary soap style but yeah really really interesting and i really liked this one um and the other one even more uh <laughs> it's called um uh, i uh, i actually don't know what it's called but it was made uh, way before drive it was made during the time when nicholas wingerreffen had made uh, pusher which was a success and then bleeder which was a bit less of a success And then he had made Fear X, which was no success at all. And then he had accumulated um, some serious debt, like I think the equivalent of a million dollars or something, or half a million. Um, and then he went and made Pusher 2 and 3 to get out of his debt. And this is about that time. And it's phenomenal. I like it even more. It's this uh, time of true crisis in the life of this filmmaker, Uh, you can really feel for him. It's uh, it's really good. I, I definitely recommend it, but I do not know what it's called. But just Google Nicholas Winningreffen documentary. Um, 
but the one about his debt, not the one about how he made uh, Only God Forgives. That one is good too, but, but the story is a bit less interesting. Like his crisis in that case is a bit less uh, relatable, I'd say. Um, yeah, but uh, interesting, interesting guy. Uh, during that time when he had such debt, th there's um, on YouTube you can you can watch it. There's an interview. Uh, it was an interview series. Uh, it was it was conducted over m several episodes uh, that some guy uh, did with him, like like a real asshole. So uh, Nicholas Winyarefen, he had all this uh, debt. He was a young guy, and I mean. <laughs> He's not the most likable person, I guess. He's quite. He comes across as quite arrogant. Uh, I really love that. I find that uh, so entertaining and uh, likable, actually. But but I, I think I get why many people do not like his personality. I find him just endlessly entertaining. Um, but whatever. So uh, there there, there uh, seems to have been this real hatred towards him in uh, Denmark. Um, and he had made these uh, the, the, these flops, and he had such debt, and uh, he was interviewed about that. I don't know why he did that to himself, because that interviewer, like uh, I don't know if 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 there's not something going on between uh, behind the scenes, and they were actually friends, and it was all staged, then that guy is an asshole. Because I think the first question he gets asked is, "Why are you so dumb?" Uh, and that's just it, it. Just goes on like that, and and they they. Uh, yeah, they really put him down, uh, and, and I think make him cry in one instance, and it's 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 um, so uncomfortable to watch. Uh, th that that actually um, informs my uh, reading of the Neon Demon today. Like it is about this uh, young girl who comes to Hollywood, and then she gets eaten. Uh, I guess that might be like Lars von Trier also always uh, has the female protagonists um, stand in for himself and I guess that's a similar thing with the Neon Demon like maybe uh, Nicholas Winningreffen feels like he came to Hollywood uh, and just got eaten I don't know I mean this interview was conducted in Denmark by Danish people, so this is not really a consistent theory, but whatever. There's a more interesting theory to, uh, about the Neon Demon. Um, so let's go on to talk about that. Um, actually, again, <laughs> uh, I cannot claim this uh, thought for myself. I, I <laughs> This is from a YouTube video again. Let's be honest, I watch a lot of YouTube and then I just repeat what people said. Um, so the theory there is that what we witness in the Neon Demon, but it never gets, it never really gets explained, is a uh, ritual. Like uh, the three uh, women. I mean, I, I, I've spoiled sp spoiled the Neon Demon already, but I guess spoiler warning: watch the fucking Neon Demon. You can't spoil this one anyway because it does not depend on plot. It's it depends purely on visuals. Um, so there are these three women and they eat that one girl and before that they sort of uh, bait her, groom her and then they kill and eat her and uh, I don't know, uh, bathe in her blood and then uh, weirder stuff happens. Um, 
So uh, this YouTube theory, which is which makes so much sense that I think it's not really a theory because it's quite clearly in the movie, uh, is that, yeah, as I said, this is kind of a witch ritual thing that we are uh, witnessing, which I think makes the movie uh, so much more uh, fascinating even, like watching it again with that in mind. Maybe I'm stupid. Maybe uh, intelligent people get that right out of their first viewing. I wasn't sure what to think after my first viewing, but in my second viewing, uh, which was informed by this uh, YouTube video that I had seen, um, I, I liked it even more. I, I, uh, or um, I, I, I loved it this time, first time. I didn't really know what to think second time I loved it. Um, also, uh, I think what um, what sort of supports this theory is that uh, in Drive, we can clearly see that Nicholas Winning Refn is a fan of uh, Kenneth Anger's work. Uh, I don't know if you know about Kenneth Anger. He wrote Hollywood Babylon and he made um, short films that are weird. Uh, to say the least, experimental short films. Um, he's also a member of the Church of Satan. And he has described his own short films as rituals and watching them as rituals, uh, like satanic rituals. Um, and I think that if you really engage with his work and really love it and make a movie that is um, so influenced by his visuals, then you probably have also uh, thought about this kind of filmmaking and the, uh, the, the thought of film as ritual. And I would theorize that that might have influenced the Neon Demon. Um, but just just putting that out there. Um, yeah. The character Sophia in um, Bear Kittens is a yeah, personified Neon Demon parody. She is a wannabe model. She's not in uh, Hollywood, though. She's somewhere in Germany. Um, and <laughs> she gets she gets put down by uh, other females. Um, and that's similar, I guess. There is even a scene that directly references the Neon Demon um, visually. And that was at a time when I still wasn't sure whether I liked it or not, and when Nissan really hated it. Uh, we re-watched it later. We both uh, love it now. Uh, as I said, I just love uh, Nicholas Winnie-Reffen in general. Um, the only thing that I would really uh, say that the Neon Demon does that I do not like about it is, and this happens sometimes, I think especially when um, people make movies critical of things or about things that do not really concern them. Like, for example, um, when men make movies about uh, sexism towards women. Um, oftentimes that kind of movie can come to uh, more recreate and imitate the thing that it's trying to criticize than actually effectively criticizing it. And I think that's a bit 
of what the neon demon uh, does. That's a trap that it falls into. Like I see that it is uh, kind of aimed at the fashion world and uh, the, the objectification stuff like that at the same time i think it's known that uh, nicholas winning Refn is also very fascinated by that world and that's clearly visible like he imitates the um the the, the, the kind of visuals those films look that makes the neon demon as awesome as it is but it you know on one hand it criticizes a certain form of objectification and sexism. On the other hand, it sort of uh, recreates it. Especially uh, all the rapey stuff was completely unnecessary. Mainly uh, the scene where Keanu Reeves uh, shoved a knife into uh, Fanning's mouth. That was a bit much and unnecessary, completely unnecessary. Could have, could have been edited out. The movie wouldn't have lost anything. Now let's talk about Cannibal Holocaust. Nissan hasn't seen this one. <laughs> um, Cannibal Holocaust just gets referenced in Backhands for one joke. So it doesn't really have an impact on Backhands. But talking about Cannibal Holocaust gets attention. And I want this podcast to be listened to by as many people as possible. So you can all go to Amazon Prime and watch and review my movie, Bear Kittens. Um, yeah, Cannibal Holocaust quite, uh, has, has quite a reputation for being like one of the most violent films of all time. I, I think when I was a kid, uh, like my parents did not let me watch horror films. Um, And I hated that. And uh, then the internet came and I would go to film forums and uh, look around and read what are the most bloody, violent and disturbing films out there and then just download them and watch them when I was, I think, about 12 or 13. Um, that way I discovered Brain Dead and I fucking loved it. And that way I discovered Cannibal Holocaust and... Uh, Yeah, um, so I downloaded it via LimeWire. I don't know if you guys remember LimeWire. LimeWire was a file sharing uh, thing. By the way, uh, this is, of course, again, entirely fictional. I do not do file sharing. I buy everything. Cannibal Holocaust cannot be bought in Germany, by the way. I don't think uh, that has changed. I think it's still banned. Like, Germany legally bans... Um, Violent movies, which is shitty. Uh, I think the Texas Chainsaw Massacre you can watch by now, but that was that was banned forever. Uh, like there are so many classics, uh, Mad Max, for example. Um, I, I I'm not sure. Uh, that during these last couple of years they have um, legalized quite a few movies, so I'm not sure if I am up to date. But I know that Mad Max One and Two I think uh, were illegal in Germany. The Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Brain Dead, of course. I think even Meet the Feebles, uh, Cannibal Holocaust, obviously, um, and every basically every violent movie you can you can really think of um, this type of stuff still goes on I think by now most of the classics are uh, legal though 
Cannibal Holocaust for sure isn't. So uh, they used to uh, illegalize stuff based on the amount of blood and violence and gore and stuff. And now uh, they have changed their strategy and they are more looking at the morals of, um, of a certain um, media product. I think there is an episode of Lost that is banned in Germany because someone gets tortured in that episode by the good guys and it's never addressed that torture is a bad thing. So that episode is banned, which... <sighs> I don't know. Whatever. Um, torture is bad, obviously. But banning art is bad too. So... Uh, whatever. Um, so until I have uh, watched Cannibal Holocaust, until I had watched that, uh, most of the brutal movies I had seen were from the German amateur splatter scene. Now maybe uh, two or three words about that. So I just explained that in Germany, violent movies uh, traditionally have been completely illegalized, so you couldn't get your hands on them. So... German gore hounds uh, went and made their own ones. Um, terrible. I, I, I'm not sure if I've talked about this before, but whatever. Um, amateurish and fun to watch, actually. So uh, as a kid, I watched a lot of those. That was my main um, background in splatter films. And then I watched um, Cannibal Holocaust. First thing about that movie is it is far too rapey. Um, and thus not enjoyable at all. But it doesn't really want to be enjoyable. Um, there is a whole lot of violence in there. Um, horrible violence. I especially remember a moment when they take the guts, I think, out of a woman and then they throw them around like they were playing with a ball or something and then there's this soundtrack this this happy go lucky easy listening soundtrack that makes it all so much more eerie um a really disturbing film the the, the violence is disturbing and extreme but i think it's actually fine uh, the rapey stuff is worse and then there's um the animal stuff in there so that's that's a thing that most people, I think, know about uh, Cannibal Holocaust. You actually do see real animal killings in that movie. Uh, this one is, is quite... Um, this one is notorious for that. There are other movies uh, in which you can see that sort of thing. For example, um, In a Year with 13 Moons by uh, Rainer Müller Fassbinder that starts with a 10-minute sequence in, uh, in a slaughterhouse where you see all those uh, cows being slaughtered. Those aren't puppets, guys. Uh, so um, I think the Cannibal Holocaust situation is similar. I have heard that, um, I mean, all those extras, they are an actual uh, tribe, um, which <laughs> later on... Uh, w w actually was a problem for the director, <laughs> but whatever, let's talk about that later. So they're an actual tribe living there and uh, they hunt and kill those animals to eat them. And you mainly see those extras in the background just casually grabbing a small monkey and ripping its head off and then starting to eat it. Uh, so that kind of stuff, um, horrifying and disturbing, but it has a purpose and it's... 
nah, it's hard to really make a moral case against it because they would have killed and eaten those animals anyway. And this half documentary style movie just happened to uh, catch that image and put it in there. Um, there is a scene when they kill a giant turtle. That was that that's fucking disturbing to watch. Um, and I have read accounts of the actors and actresses involved who did not say stuff like, yeah, I would have killed that animal anyway. It's all fine. Like they um there were some who uh did didn't want to participate in that scene, who got really upset about it. Um And uh, yeah, it's all, the, the the whole stuff about about all those actors too seems like uh, most of them are porn actors, and uh, they they tell weird stories from from this set. So so I'm sure that's not a set that I would have wanted to uh, work on. Um, the turtle scene is. Awful. Now the artistic argument. Those real uh, animal slaughter scenes make the rest seem more real. Like the gore, the effects, that's all fantastic. Like it looks so believable. I um I haven't said this before for everyone who doesn't know, Cannibal Holocaust is kind of the first found footage horror film. Uh, I think the, the most of the movie consists of found tapes made by journalists in the Amazon jungle uh, where they wanted to, I think, to find and film cannibals. Uh, they find these natives. Um, the natives behave peacefully and uh, thus boring to them, so they start provoking them, burn down a village, rape women, and then the natives get angry and uh, the journalists come to regret provoking the tribe uh, and they all, all get uh, brutally killed and all the women get uh, raped before that. Um, so it has this found footage documentary style which actually works um, really, really well. And to uh, th th this um, and, and the impression of realism that that uh, sort of provides uh, gets a lot of help by these um, real scenes. So um, there's, there's your artistic argument for the real animal slaughter. Uh, the discussion surrounding that uh, also sort of deepens the visceral experience that this movie is and wants to be. Um, yeah, I mean, it's hard to love this movie, but I don't think this movie is made to be loved. It's, it's a work of art that wants to really shake you to your core and it succeeds and uh, it has been successful at that for what 40 years now so um, quite an impactful thing uh, quite an achievement and I I think you gotta respect that the director had to go on trial um, because People thought, well, animals die in there, and it looks very clearly like people are dying. And uh, 
Um, I, I think he did a similar thing to what Blair Witch did later. So he 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 had told his actors to sort of disappear uh, after the release of the movie. So people thought those were maybe dead. Then people thought that uh, he killed extras in the Amazon jungle. Like he had all those uh, natives, and we saw them die in the movie. So he has probably killed them. He hasn't, uh, but he had to <laughs> he had to kind of prove that, which was hard uh, because. Uh, you know, natives tend to be hard to find when living in th that kind of uh, way. Um, yeah, I am suspicious towards this one. I don't like it, but I respect the hell out of it. Uh, once at a film festival, I, I saw a guy, um, some guy wearing a, a Cannibal Holocaust T-shirt uh, on which you could see the the impaled woman, uh, the bloody visceral image, and then it said Cannibal Holocaust, and uh, I I thought, well, this this I do not like um, the, the the provocation aspect, the the juvenile aspect. Um, but I respect the movie as a work of art, as suspicious as I am towards its admirers. Well, 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 well. I think um, that's it for this episode. Um, go to Amazon Prime, watch Bear Kittens and leave a review. I promise you is not, it's not as hard to watch as um, Cannibal Holocaust. Won't shake you as much too, um, but maybe you'll have a good chuckle. I hope you will. See you next time. Bye.